Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in the Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Uh, we linked up the uh, profile page for Professor Bart Costco, Ph.D., J.D., on Coast to Coast AM. You'll find it on the website. Uh, Bart, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing fine. How are you, Ian? Good. When does your semester start again? Uh, I'm on sabbatical, so it actually is delayed for me, but it started on Monday. <laughs> you rock. <laughs> I, don't think I'll, I don't think I'll be teaching long enough to qualify for a sabbatical. My sabbatical will be my retirement. Uh, so, you know, it's funny. I Before we get started, so I, I was reminded of this when I went to review your homepage, and I, I think this is true of some of the best universities. So here you are in the Department of Electrical and Computer Engineering, right, in the Signal yep. and Image Processing Institute. And I don't, this will sound harsh, and I don't mean it to, but I mean, gosh, the website design looks like it's Lycos. It looks like Opera 1.0 or something. <laughs> I mean, I think they got to update that a little bit for a school with the reputation of USC. I think they've got to have a better yeah, layout design. A very uh, colorful reputation. You know, that's partly my fault, Ian, because a while back, a student who I helped out with something said, offered to design my webpage. And I said, I don't want the other stuff I see on it intentions and research area. I only right. want to publish content, nothing That's else. That's good. That's good. Only my published content. So I've posted <laughs> videos and journal papers and patents and right. other things and no paywall. And I don't want in any way come in books, <laughs> any way come between that. So if I could make that more accessible, I would. I The only thing I've not done, and there's a lot of requests for this, I have a lot of note sets on a wide range of subjects to make it accessible. Probability lectures, quantum sure. mechanics, Maxwell's equations. I've, I've learned a hundred thousand tricks over the decades. And I'd like to share that with more people, and I may do that. But otherwise, 
It's there simply as my information giveaway. And I totally love that. And I love the humility about that, Bart. But it, you could do better than Mosaic 1.0. I just... <laughs> Absolutely true. I'm just, I'm just going to venture out there and say maybe maybe adventure, uh, Mosaic 2 point. All right. Point so, taken. yeah. So, listen, I, as I so admire the fact that you're willing to have this conversation in any sure. form. You're one of the few people, I think, that can, can attack this from a couple of different standpoints, mostly because of your, your law degree, but also, obviously, with your PhD. So, let's start with this. Lots of conversations suddenly about billionaires mm-hmm. being able to um, make themselves immortal in one form or another. We can talk about it in a physical form. We can talk about it in a digital form. Where do you want to start? I think physical first. Okay. And immortal, of course, is, I think, unattainable in a universe of entropy I mean, eventually everything dies, but that eventually, Ian, can be a very, very long time. And the other thing is, I don't, although death is inevitable, uh, it doesn't in principle have to be permanent. I mean, technically, death is an engineering problem, a big one, a grand one, but one we're quite likely to conquer. And because of the effects of digital technology and the rapid speed up, Moore's Law is still alive and kicking, doubling circuit density about every two years. Right. It's likely to come about through something like that rather than just the physical. So the crudest way to extend your life right now, besides staying healthy as long as you can, and a lot of things you can do, eating right, exercising, and so forth, the crudest way is simply not to destroy your brain when you first die. And the only practical way of doing that is to pump it full in effect of antifreeze and quote-unquote freeze it, really to vitrify it, to very slowly lower it. It's about minus 320 degrees Fahrenheit in liquid nitrogen. And once you've done that, pretty much everything except a few quantum effects have stopped. And you've avoided a lot of the ice damage that would happen if you just jumped into a freezer for a long time. And then you're waiting maybe a very long time, but time is on your side at that point for some kind of restoration. Maybe not of your entire body, maybe a digital representation, but in the old take on this in cryonics, And I am someone who has signed up for that, as I've made clear since my book, Fuzzy Thinking, 30 years ago. Right. In that, but I'm just saying, in that world, and the old idea was if you just stored your head, for example, we'd grow your body back from a head stump and all would be fine. But the crucial thing is the information that makes you, you, is in your synapses in your brain. And if you burn it, or if you dissolve it through burial, embalming, etc., uh, you've lost that. You've encountered what we call information death, and that is irreversible. Why would you want to do that? What inspires you to to break that barrier? You know, I'd like to pick up a few more degrees. I'm just getting going. <laughs> like you, I'm about to turn 63. I'm doing everything I can. And really just getting going life. But the key thing is I want to die on my terms. Right. Again, I think in the future... Uh, and I think this will be routine. Uh, it'll be a version of that old saying that changed, that the coward dies uh, many deaths, but the brave die only one. I think the ordinary person will probably die many times if they choose to. Some people may be in for kind of a sport. But I want to do it on my terms when I'm ready to go, or maybe just take some time out. I don't know if you ever read the story by, the short novel by Arthur C. Clarke called The City and the Stars. No. 
And it said way in the future, in people a billion years in the future, we've gone to the stars, we've done everything we've dreamed about, people kind of get bored, and they come back, and then periodically they commit themselves to the blue flames to be reconstructed at some other point. But right now, we're tied to the old rules of Darwin, and they just don't match our culture, our digital technology, and we can do a lot better. And they certainly don't match our society within the context of the way laws are written in terms of oh, yeah. right the the legislation that gives us money at a certain age and then pays until another certain age and and our system would go totally broke if everybody was living forever yeah, that's that's an interesting proposition i think what you're referring to is some of the old property law and there's a, a very famous rule in there uh, that bedevil students and property i'm talking real property not intellectual property and it's called right. rap not the music, but the rule against perpetuities. And it comes out of merry old England, as does much of, most of our, our laws. And it, in effect, says that you can't extend trust-type systems beyond 21 years in a so-called life and being. No one's really known what that's meant. It's been jokes about it, even made by judges on the bench. So what's happened, really, since the 90s, is that several states, because states have so much power in their constitutional system, uh, on all property law is state law. For example, thank God there's no federal property law. And as a consequence, some states have abolished the rule against perpetuity. Kentucky has. Other states, you're in Kansas, I'm in California, Hawaii, many others have extended it to 90 years. Colorado recently extended it to 1,000 years. And I think Wyoming also. And some states, like I said, have gotten rid of it completely. And Texas lets it stay in place. So you can set up a trust-type structure I don't mean a charitable trust, which has always been set up, but your personal, personal selfish trust to go on for a very long time. Now, combine that, and this is where I think is getting to your point, with what's known in finance, a theorem called the rule of 72. And let me just remind your listeners what that means. If This is an approximation, but if you put money in a bank at a constant rate of return of, let's say, 10%, if you divide that into 72, so 72 divided by 10 tells you in about seven years, your money will double. Contrary-wise, if it were a 7% rate of return, and good luck in getting that, and dividing that into the 72, it would take about 10 years. So you might ask, well, if I had money, billionaire or poor man, if I put a dollar or a billion dollars right now into the stock market, into the S&P 500, Apple, Microsoft, and firms like that, that's 10.5% compound interest Probably your best bet, all else held constantly, is your Warren Buffett, who gets 20.1%, by the way, and the only person in history to do that for 50 years. But if you have 10.5% rate of return like S&P, so after 10 years, your dollar becomes $2.71. I did the calculation. After 100 years, your dollar becomes $21,700. After 200 years, $470 million plus dollars. And here we go. And after 500 years, it would become $5 billion trillion. I mean, the whole system breaks down from there, just growing at the ordinary rate at which our tech market and our market economy grows. So even, extending your life, though, a little bit can make a big difference here just in the rate of compounding. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies 
personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think, it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now, the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Because so, it's Yeah, and, and, which is great for those people who have money to invest. Um, the majority of... I would guess, I don't know what the figures are, but I would assume that the majority of Americans do not have much money to invest beyond, say, a mutual fund or a 401k. And so they depend on Social Security and Social Security depends on somebody dying at a time when they where the money that they have put into Social Security is about equal to what they've taken out. Or not much more than that. And it certainly couldn't sustain if people started taking Social Security <laughs> at, say, age 67, but they're not dying until 137. That's right. I mean, that clearly will have to be adjusted. It is starting to scale up. I think you and I were in the first group because we're born in 1960. Right. That instead of taking it out at 65, you got to wait till 67, and it just right. continues after that. Yeah, absolutely. But you're right. Uh, the average person now is concerned with 10 plus percent inflation if you really factor in all the other costs. And that works like the rule of 72, but against you. And people are holding too much debt. By the way, there is a concept that's been out. It's called a libertarian nudge and very controversial. <laughs> and uh, Professor Cass Sunstein proposes he's at Harvard University. But I've heard of him, but oh, I haven't heard of this. Oh, yeah. This is probably his most famous and Robert Thaler's most fam- famous idea. And that is, if you look at the experiment that we've had in this country in voluntary pension funding, it's been an utter failure, no matter how you look at it. If you look at the total amount of funding, because it counts a lot of rich people's wealth, you get something like in savings of a quarter million, and that's not enough to live on uh, in retirement. But the average person factoring out the super rich, I think the average person has less than 100000 in their retirement. So the idea is this, the nudge, which restricts liberty in just a tiny amount, trying to make you be a little bit more rational, would set as a default 
that you opt in to whatever wage program you have with your employer to a certain amount of savings for your retirement. But it's libertarian in the sense that you can always opt out. Right now, the default is that you are opted out. And most people just don't know any better. Or and they don't opt in. Right. But a lot of estimates, that would make a big difference. Uh, but you still need an economy growing fast. And, you know, and we've, you can't have this kind of inflation that we have that's undermining, I, I think, everybody, uh, even even the rich folks. But the effect on the middle class and poor, I think, is... Well, it's staggering. We haven't seen this since we were kids in the in the seventies, basically that kind of thing. But it, one thing you can do is again, I'm trying to avoid the word no, it's mandatory. Good. But as a default, trying to get everybody saving. And if you just introduce kids, as I'm trying to do over the years, to what I read, what I just told you, the rule of seventy two. And if we had time, and if we had a whiteboard, I would give you the mathematical proof of why the seventy why the rule of seventy two is actually a theorem by expanding a property, an infinite series of the logarithm. But but it, when kids see that and they get that, and they realize they can have time on their side, and that we tend to think about life in general in a linear way. And indeed, if you look at an exponential, if you expand it, the first term is linear. But then it's quadratic, then it's cubic, and then it's quartic. And, and then if you can allow time, you need probably a good 20 years to handle the ups and downs you can, whatever your station of life, you can substantially improve it over having just, as we used to say in Kansas, just eating the seed corn. Right. Um, but even just so, by the way, so I, we could take Social Security starting at 65. The amount is very, it's small. So yes. if you wait until 67, then it's a it's a much more, you know, sort of understandable, workable payout. 70 is when... It's pretty good. So if you can hold off till if anybody can hold off to seventy who was born after right. nineteen sixty, you get a pretty good deal. But you got to last till seventy. What does the rule of seventy two have? Is that related at all to the average lifespan of of human males in America, which is about seventy two, isn't it? I think. I think we're better than that now. I think it's a little beyond that. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a mathematical principle. So I use an example. I'm up in the mountains right now, outside of LA. We got a lot of pine trees. If I just look at a young pine tree and estimate how much it's growing per year. Let's say it's growing 10% a year, and it's currently 8 feet. And I say, okay, how many years will it take until it's 16 feet tall? The Rule 72 applies to that. It would be 7 years. So it is a general fact of compounding at a constant growth rate, whether it's to the average male or whether it's to a pine tree or any amount of money. By the way, Ben Franklin was aware of this. And I forget, the, I read it once in his, his autobiography or his essays, but he knew by putting up a small amount of money and allowing it to be handled in a charitable trust, which is relatively new in that time, you can get a lot of the kind of trust that we have today. I don't know if the Franklin Institute's funded that way, but the idea of using that for your own wealth, uh, that's a whole, way beyond an ordinary lifespan of 78 uh, or 80 or so years is, is the proposition before us. I had to look it up, but um, life expectancy in the United States had fell um, in the last couple of years to 77 in yeah. 2020 and now 76. But that's an average between men and women in right. 2021. Um, yeah. And and men still die at, you know, uh, die younger than women. And so then you have this whole other thing about uh, spousal support, and then you've got one, <laughs> right? I mean, there's like there's a whole thing there about some of these um, 
uh, places where women are feeling great at 75, but there's no men around for them to, for, there's very few men that they compete a lot for companionship amongst males um, because their life expectancy is much better, especially if they've got good health care. But I have some good news here. I just found this study came out a couple okay. of days ago. I, I read studies for fun and I teach stats. And it's out of Harvard. It's in the Journal American, American Medical Association's Internal Medicine. It says healthy eating, pattern, eating patterns and risk of total and cause specific mortality. What it found was looking at over 100,000 men and women, non-causal study associative, for several years, they were at average 50 years plus, that they simply live longer if they ate the things your doctor tells you to eat. Right. So lots of raw fruits and vegetables and seeds and nuts and healthy oils and fats, sure. like, and basically the Mediterranean diet. So uh, I think a lot of that went the other way during COVID. The diets didn't improve and it was too right. much alcohol and so forth. That too might too, account for that. Too Take much on. Uber Eats. <laughs> you know, it got too easy. By the way, have you seen the, uh, do you know why it is that uh, men tend to die earlier than their wives? I heard it was because of hormonal effects, testosterone type effects. You know, the old joke and is. Not a uh, menopausal structure. Uh, the, I old, that. the old joke is because they want to. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now, the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.